0: Aunt Petunia's favorite nest feud, the blue-eyed Ben Grimm, also known as the thing, once had his own comic book called Marvel 2 in One. Most of those issues were standalone done-in-one comics. However, what issue have continued into another team-up book? Stick around and you'll find the answer. Hello and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years and have never lost my passion for comic books. something I try to pass on to old and new readers. Hello and welcome back to Fantastic Comic Fan. Today is episode number eight for the November 11, 2011. This time around I have a theme of done in one comics that go all the way from the golden age to the current age. It's a little bit different than past podcasts and I hope it's something you might like. Starting this week I'm putting out episodes twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'd really like to hear what you think of the shows. Any suggestions or comments please let me know. Even criticisms are cool. You can reach me at FantasticComicFan, all one word, at gmail.com. And now, on to today's episode. Growing up, my local ABC affiliate on Sunday mornings used to run Abbott and Costello movies. And that's where I fell in love with Abbott and Costello. Now, and Costello is not known to a lot of people today, unfortunately. I think you should Google him. Check them out. Try to see some of the movies. Especially listen to the bit called Who's In First? That's a classic, and I still think it's funny to this day. Licensed Characters has been something that comic books have done all the way back to the Golden Age. And of course, Adams Gustavo had their own magazine through St. John Publication. St. John was one of the many, many publishers who came and went throughout the golden and silver age they published comic books from 1947 all the way through 1958 some of their imprints were called approved comics blue ribbon and jubilee publications these comic books are now in public domain and luckily quite a few of these comic books are available at the website comic book plus now i want to talk about one particular avenue costello comic book i could have picked anyone but i'm going to go with number two One reason is the artist, Lily Renee. Back during the golden and silver age, unlike today, you didn't always know what uh, creators were working on what comic books. During World War II, a lot of male artists got drafted into the army. So comic book publishers went looking for women. And one of them was Renee. And she started off doing stuff at Fiction House, a great golden age publisher. There she did stuff for Wings Comics and Planet Comics. After Fiction House moved out of New York, she went on to St. John Publications in the late 40s going into the 50s, where she drew among other things, Abbott and Costello Comics. Lily Renee, she's still alive, and she's 100 right now. She lives in Vienna, Austria. I really think you should look her up because Golden Age female artists or creators Marymount.com is the art today, and she deserves her place in the spotlight, just like the other creators of that era. Now back to that Abbott and Costello comic book. The lead story is called So Near and Yet Safari. Get it? Safari? Ha 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 ha. I've read a few of these St. John publications, and truthfully to me, a lot of these stories read just like an Abbott and Costello movie, but in the comic books at times the comic book comes off as just really really silly but it's fun silly in one instance Costello gets caught by a huge boa constrictor and Abbott says what the honestly Costello you get wrapped up in the most silly situations haha ha, again I truly love this jungle adventure and you know what even if you're not an app Costello fan and you've never heard him before I really think that you could read a comic book based on these two characters, and enjoy it, and have fun with it. So why don't you go over to Comic Book Plus, Keenan Abbott and Costello, and see for yourself. Once upon, there was a Superman team-up book called DC Comics Presents. They had a long, successful run, back in the Bronze Age. But, as with many team-up books, you never knew what you were going to get with each issue. So, not long ago, the cover for issue 62 entered my radar once again. The cover had the Freedom Fighters with Uncle Sam front and center. Even Superman was a secondary character on the cover. Back then, the Freedom Fighters didn't have the exposure they do now. As a group from Earth-X, where Germany won World War II, they'd only been created and introduced, or I should say reintroduced, as part of the 1973 JLA, JSA crossover in Justice League of America 107. Back in the 1950s, DC bought the characters from quality comics when that company folded. That's where he got Plastic Man, Blackhawks, and G.I. Combat. Unfortunately, Uncle Sam, The Black Condor, Human Bomb, Doll Man, and the Ray, also quality characters, didn't appear into that crossover. Missing an action in this issue where Fat and Lady, who had retired, and Firebrand, who apparently died. Both would return later, because no one often stays dead or gone in comics. From 1976 to 78, the Freedom Fighters had their own series for 15 issues, until they met their demise via one of the biggest baddies any hero ever faced, the DC Implosion. In truth, it was a big push by DC Comics called the DC Explosion which resulted in a line expansion, more pages for each issue, and a price hike. But, unfortunately, it lasted a mere three months, with a vast swath of those titles, like Freedom Fighters, getting cancelled. I recently read that one of Jack Kirby's creations, Commandy, The Last Boy on Earth, was the line in the sand. Commandy and any other titles of the lower prep line, were just cancelled. The reasons for the massive implosion make for an interesting story, but outside of this particular podcast. However, I would like to cover it in a future podcast, so we'll see. Kirby had left DC for Marvel again by this time, and Commandy moved on to other creative teams. Kirby, meanwhile, was doing Captain America, Black Panther, and creating new characters like Machine Man, and a particular group of characters called the Eternals. Now back to DC Comics Presents. Another thing that came to mind was the cover artist. Oh hey, that's Gil Kane doing the cover. Some artists have a distinctive style that you can quickly and happily identify. Sometimes I think Bronze Age artists were more distinctive than in other ages. So you knew a cane, a colon, of statin, and a perro when you saw it. Truthfully, I would use GC counts present 62 for an Instagram post, and leave it at that. Until I reread the story and got caught up in the zany Bronze Age stuff. I've always liked Uncle Sam and crew because they came up against the secret society of supervillains. Another Bronze Age character I loved the secret society. Now Superman and Clark Kent. Well, he was a creature of the times. Someone at DC thought the mild mannered reporter wasn't hip enough. Solution? Clark became the news anchor for WGBS and Metropolis. Now, Superman had that iconic Arctic Fortress of Solitude with a big yellow door on the yellow key that only he and probably Supergirl could lift to open the door. This particular issue of DC Comics Presents came out just in time for the July 4th. So it makes sense to have Uncle Sam and the fighters in the comic book. In a 23-page story, the guest stars help Superman fight a plot to conquer the United States. But of course, in the end, the good guys win, as usual. not I could have picked up any issue from the long-running title. Most read pretty well. When you often get to see Superman team up with characters seldom seen in the Bronze Age. So, you want to get all meta for a minute? The story doesn't say how the Sam and the Freedom Fighters got to Superman's Earth, which was, at this time, Earth-1. Earth-2 was actually the Earth of the Golden Age heroes in the Justice Society, who came before this Superman and the Justice Society. Framing the tea milk is a sequence from Earth-Prime, which is where we, the readers, live and read their adventures via comic books. Oh, and Superboy Prime came from our Earth, which doesn't have any superheroes. Well, There is Ultra, who first appeared in Justice League of America 153 in 1978. He came from Earth Prime, and I've lost all the new comic fans, while the older fans, well, their eyes just glazed right on over. I feel lucky. My introduction to the Fantastic Four came through comics that were put out both in the Bronze Age and the Silver Age. Being a Bronze Age baby, My love for the Fantastic Four started with around issue 180, right through around 200, in which Reed and Dr. Doom had their last battle, well, for a few years anyways. Around the same time, Marvel and Pocket Books, they started reprinting the early issues of the Fantastic Four, but they were in full color. I think it's my introduction to the Silver Age Fantastic Four that really made the group One of my favorite groups of all time. We all know Reed and Sue as Marvel's first married couple. But their wedding, when it did happen back in 1965, was a big event. It was in the special king size annual. 72 big pages. Ah, not all 72 pages of new material. Because they reprint uh, two past Fantastic Fours, One with the impossible man. And the Submariner and Doctor Doom teaming up. Still, it was 24 pages of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, and just about everybody in the Marvel Universe in 1955 appeared, both good guys and bad guys. He had Doctor Doom, the Puppet Master, Red Ghost and the Super Apes, of course the Mole Man. He also had The Avengers, Iron Man, Thor, Quicksilver, Hawkeye, even Patsy Walker making an appearance. The X-Men were there, Doctor Strange, Daredevil like Carrie and Foggy, and, of course, Spider-Man. The story opens with Doctor Doom's eyes peering over a copy of the issue of the Daily Press, which states, Today's the day. Wedding bells for Reed and Sue. Of course, this does not go at all well with Victor, who decides to stop the wedding and decides he's going to assemble the greatest army of bad guys ever. Always the party pooper. Doom says, I shall transform their wedding day into the day of their final destruction. Even before the wedding starts, the bad guys attack. There's the puppet master, the Man, the red ghost and super apes. And then whoosh, all of a sudden, an unearthly force sends all the bad guys off to another dimension, courtesy of Doctor Strange. I guess you could consider that an early wedding present from the good doctor. But Doctor Doom isn't done yet. His emotion machine has caused the most deadly array of evildoers ever assembled to converge upon, them, upon the Fantastic Four. You had the Mandarin, Kang, the Grey Guard oil, and others. Before long you had the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, the X-Men and others fighting all the bad guys. Obviously, the wedding wouldn't be complete without a visit from the Watcher, who of course doesn't interfere with anything. The Watcher Whispered away with Reed going, where is our destination? On the Watcher. There are no words in our language to describe the location Mortal One, but suffice to say, this is the home of the Watcher. Yeah. I guess you consider the Watcher a drama queen because his home is on the moon. Then with a wink wink from the watcher and a little game of getting hotter, getting colder, Reed finds the device that will stop the bad guys and allow him to finally marry. The woman of his dreams. After the wedding, Sue goes, we're married at last and nothing will ever part us my beloved except the brute and secret wars and doom and fill in the blank. But at least for a moment they're happy. Obviously, I think this is a fantastic read and I think you would enjoy reading it whether you're an old fan or a new fan. This is a classic comic. I cannot overstate how pleased I am to see all ages comics again. For a while there, many years, there was no such thing as all ages comics. They were more geared towards teenagers and adults. Which brings me to Marvel Action Origins number 4 which came out this week. In it, it has the origin of Miles Morales, the ultimate Spider-Man. Truthfully, I'm not one to follow the adventures of Miles no reason really there's only so many comic books and so many hours in a week to read not that i don't know anything about miles i know he came from the ultimate universe and he replaced peter parker who died in the ultimate universe became that universe's spider-man now i thought maybe miles Origin would come off looking like something from power girl of uh, earth 2 and dc comics i don't think dc's ever figured out a way to make her origin work and just kind of pretend she's been there without an origin. I felt Marvel Action's Origin Number 4 did a great job of explaining Miles Morales' origin without getting caught up in all the metaverse backstory of Ultimate Universe and Secret Wars and all the other stuff that confuses new fans. Now the backup strip is another origin for this time of a bad guy. We get the origin of Rhino, first appeared An Amazing Spider-Man 41 back in July 1966. Now I'm sure there's probably some kind of origin out there, but I've never seen the origin of the Rhino. I think the Rhino's in the past has always been kind of a punching bag, whether it's from Spider-Man or the Incredible Hulk. Whoever else was having a bad week and thought punching out the Rhino might make them feel a little bit better. Overall, I think they did a good job on the Rhino origin. You got to see a little bit more underneath that thick skin of his. Sure, Marvel Action Origin number 5 is an all-ages comic. That doesn't mean you have to be a kid to enjoy it. Though Marvel 2-in-1, starring The Thing, usually had done-in-one issues, there was an exception to that rule. With Marvel 2-in-1 number 17, with The Thing and Spider-Man, it came out in 1976. At the end of the story, it was continued into Marvel Teen-Up 47, which had, of course, Spider-Man and The Thing. That's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you, a fantastic comic fan, all one word, at gmail.com. Remember now, episodes are every Tuesday and Thursday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.